Hi, everybody. You're listening to Under the Radar. I'm your host, Frank Fear. Today's Under the Radar topic is a profession that affects us every day, but it's also a line of work we don't know much about. I'm talking about U.S. Customs. You know, I can't think of a job that has been more in the spotlight since 9-11. There's the constant threat of terrorism, of course, and all the issues that have emerged over the last several years at the U.S. southern border. We also come in contact with customs officers every time we travel internationally. And of course, that function is magnified in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Even with all of that, most of us don't have a clue about what it takes to do the job. So today we have a customs veteran, Pat Burns, with us to help us understand what's involved in doing this very important job. Thanks for taking the time to be with us, Pat. Thank you for talking to me this afternoon, Frank. I'd like you to take a few minutes at the beginning, Pat, to say a few words about yourself and include, if you could, uh, why you chose a career in public safety and how and why you eventually ended up working in the Customs Service. Thank you. Uh, I would think that probably how I ended up in this particular occupation is maybe backwards from how a lot of people chose their careers. I think that uh, over over time, I think I ruled some things out that I wasn't interested in. And also, I think it was maybe ruling things out for lack of uh, confidence in doing that. Or maybe at one point in time when I realized that I was never going to be six foot six and a power forward for the New York Knicks. Yeah. And so um, as I went through uh, college, narrowed down my my choices in major ended up in the criminal justice field. And then from with the degree in criminal justice, I just let that kind of lead me to where would be the best fit and ended up uh, for a few years working as a federal prison guard and then switching over to uh, 31 years with um, CBP Customs and Border Protection. Wow. That's great. Thanks for that. Uh, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, we come in contact with customs officials, agents, all the time. Every time I've traveled internationally, they're always there. Uh, but uh, really, the depth of understanding is very limited. Could you say, could describe briefly what a typical day is like? First of all, where you where you uh, worked, give us an idea of where you worked uh, around the country, and then what a typical day, day was like. Sure. Uh, with customs, the variety of work is is really um, is is quite interesting because you could be working at a seaport, uh, an airport, uh, just the variety of work at those places. Here in Kansas City, we had what we would call a container devanning station, and what the focus was on that was um, international goods coming in, eventually for uh, you consumers and what you're going to use as products. Uh, but obviously, if you're working in other locations, your your uh, airport, seaport, it's it's different functions. But here, uh, not really the most glamorous type of thing we would do in a place like Kansas City. But yet, what I see important because of what we were doing is things that uh, protect consumers or the products that they purchase that are from uh, countries of origin other than the United States. Yeah, and that's becoming more and more important. There's no question about that. Uh, people don't think about it uh, sometimes in border protection terms, but that's exactly what it is. 
Uh, could you talk a bit about some of the biggest challenges in doing the work you did, Pat, and and also some of the obstacles along the way? Sure. Uh, I think when you're at a busy at a, at a busy airport or a land border, one of the biggest challenges is the pressure for time and to expedite traffic, passengers. And at the same time, you're also looking at those people and saying, you know, you don't want to let something in or somebody in that's not that you don't want. And so the pressure of that expediting with also not uh, without compromising security is probably the ultimate pressure. And then um, with, with that being said, it's just uh, that, that demand and nobody wants to wait in line. But the other thing that people forget with our occupation, which is sometimes it can be tough on your morale, is that if you don't bat a thousand, you fail. And so if you, if you like currently we're looking at passengers coming in and we don't have the medical expertise, but we're being asked to potentially diagnose if somebody has a coronavirus, well, uh, that's, that's not always easy for even the professionals. Or another instance of when you're not batting a thousand, it's a failure is, uh, back a few years ago, we had the emerald ash borer that's taken out all of our ash trees. Well, if you just let one of those insects in, you're defeated. So you're working with speed, you're expediting, but yet you're expected to bat a thousand. And so we, you know, we best we can. And sometimes you just have to you hang your head on that. Yeah. That's one thing that, uh, is really important. I never thought about that, but you were in a profession where you had to bat a thousand. And that's when you think about baseball, <laughs> you're in the hall of fame, uh, far less than a thousand, obviously you can't even bat a thousand, but the fact that you have to have to be perfect or at least strive for perfection all the time is, uh, boy, that's really challenging. And most of us, uh, are in jobs where that's really not the frame of reference. So, uh, besides that, uh, what are maybe one or two other things that that you want to say about the job? Maybe even some things that drove you nuts. Sure, I think one of the things, and this happens with many professions, is that uh, sometimes, and I don't want to use the word facts because that's become kind of a, an interesting word. Sometimes when we have incidents where there, it, it's newsworthy. And sometimes I don't think that all the circumstances of the story are, are input. And so sometimes uh, that can be a little bit misinterpreted. Uh, and, and so I, and then what happens, I believe, is that, and I don't, I don't want to speak for a, a lot of people, but maybe for some, is that uh, there might be a, a little bit of mistrust uh, or loss of faith uh, that we might be treating people unjustly unfairly. And I'm not saying that there isn't a time where we do need to definitely have outside forces to to uh, look at what we're doing and, and to make sure we don't have blind spots. But I don't think sometimes that the complete circumstances, the totality of the situation is given, and it looks like we're doing something that's, um, you know, probably not in the best interest. And then another thing is that a lot of times people see they don't understand some of the things we're doing. And, and a lot of things are there for a reason that's been tried and, and looked at. And sometimes, as you say, you, you know, you come in contact with us when you travel and we're doing certain things. But it, sometimes there's things that people don't understand why we're doing it, and it's really ultimately for their benefit. Yeah, I can see that. 
Uh, I think what you just said is really, really important. And it goes into the next question I'd like to ask, Pat. Uh, what would you like the public to know about the job uh, and include in that uh, some of the biggest misconceptions that you think the public has about the U.S. Customs Service? Well, that's great. Those are those are that's a great question. And just just for an example, because sometimes people don't really put that together until they hear an example. And so uh, back, I don't know how many years ago, was we required U.S. citizens to obtain passports before they traveled internationally. Well, you know, there were some people that weren't really happy about that because it cost money and, and, and the inconvenience of going to get the passport. But one of the things that we were feeling pressure on is that international travel is always increasing. And so by you going and getting a passport, just think about just the simple logistics of when you're clearing customs in Kansas City. You're waiting in line with 200 people and you're waiting on Pat Burns to type in your passport, uh, to type in your information off your driver's license and fumbling with a birth certificate varies from counties to cities to, to states. And so when we said, hey, let's let's require the passports, uh, it helped us identify people more efficiently. And then, hey, you're not waiting in line after you've just spent a week with your husband and three children watching Pat Burns type at a less than neck break speed. So that's just an example of something that we, we did that uh, obviously for a lot of good reasons, but sometimes people don't understand it. Another instance to where sometimes we get some folks pretty upset with us is this issue of uh, trademark counterfeit merchandise. And so people bring in trademark counterfeit merchandise and we're required by law to take those things from people and they, they don't really understand that sometimes, but there's a lot of things that work there that maybe they don't realize. And one of those things could be your safety because you're, you're bringing in, uh, you're, you're purchasing off of some kind of less than reputable website, maybe uh, exercise equipment. And there's a safety issue with that equipment when you're using it. Um, Another thing is you have to respect the, the people that manufacture the legitimate, say, uh, Yeti, Yeti travel mugs and Yeti coolers. And you have, you know, you can go anywhere, you can go overseas and pretty much get anything made that you want. And I, and I don't think anyone would want somebody walking around in their, in their clothing, taking their identity on. And then it's, it's reflecting on you and it's not even that certain. And I don't know if I'm really making that clear, but, um, there's a lot of things at work that people get pretty upset with us about, and maybe they don't twist the story around, flip it, and see the other side. They just see an opportunity to get uh, a Yeti travel mug for half the price or exercise bands for half the price that this legitimate company is selling it for. And so, you know, those, a lot of those things are there for your protection. And so, um, you know, those kind of things. I, I don't think the majority of people feel that way, but there might be a small percentage that, that maybe don't see all that we're doing is, is just um, just trying to make your day not so great. Yeah, that, well explained. I think uh, that leads me to the next question really is what can be done from your perspective to make it easier for people like you to do your job? Well, that's a tough question, um, and as you mentioned earlier, and, and, and I really admire the fact that you realized what we've 
uh, gone through, I was there for th- over 30 years, and the mission evolves quite frequently, and and that changes things, and it's a, it's a new game. One day you're playing basketball, the next day you're playing field hockey, and so that part of the job is always tough because of that mission evolving. We were fighting uh, the war on drugs, and then we got into some trade issues with some, some countries, and we were big on the trade, and then we got in, as you mentioned, the war on terrorism, and then you think in the fear over the Ebola, the SARS, and now the coronavirus. Um, you know, those, and, and there's no easy answers for those things, but one thing that I would say, and this is more of an internal thing, and, and I guess this, this podcast is more to, to help folks, um, with, with, uh, maybe understanding what we're coming up from, but sometimes I think, you know, we understand when we take this position, what we're getting ourselves into. But I think that sometimes within our circles, there's an acknowledgement within our within our staff and our leadership of the challenges and that you're facing, and it doesn't mean that you still are going to you're still going to face them. But there's like an there's an acknowledgement that we understand what you're going through, but you've got to do it. And I think with the culture and law enforcement overall, um, there's there's it's not really the culture to to say. Uh, you know, the, the culture is more suck it up. You know, this, you know, I had a great quote from a supervisor once that well, I, I think it was, I needed a Saturday off for my daughter's wedding. Well, I'm exaggerating, but I needed a Saturday off for a very important family activity. And his quote was, and, and there was some truth to it is if uncle Sam wanted you to have a family, he would have issued you one. Hmm. And so I internally, I think if, if there was a, a little bit more acknowledgement, but hey, this is this is what you've got to face, um, that would help. And, and so, and, and then I guess I will touch on one more thing. How I look at the situation is there's a, a customs officer at Chicago here. They're clearing 25,000 passengers a day, and that's an, not an exaggeration. 25,000 passengers a day. And I understand you've been on a long flight and you're tired and you're stressed. But you, you have a minute and a half that you could potentially only need to be courteous to that officer. That officer has to be courteous to the next uh, 300 people that he's going to talk to that day. And I apply that when I'm checking out when I'm checking out at the drugstore or the, the department store. That clerk is dealing with all day long. He's dealing with that. I'm only going to deal with him for 30 seconds. I'm going to do I'm going to do everything I can to try to just treat him with dignity, respect, and maybe try to make his day just a little bit better. And, and so, um, I don't know if I'm over, if I, if I maybe went overboard by stating that, but uh, that's just kind of how I feel. And what I, what I kind of experienced over after being on the other side of the counter for, for the number of years that I was. Well, I think that's very, very helpful, Pat. I think if there's a takeaway message, uh, it's the, it's the word respect that, uh, you want to bring respect, certainly, to uh, U.S. citizens uh, that are coming by you, but it also is a two-way street. Uh, it's a tough job. That's the other one of the other takeaways that I have from what you said. Very, very difficult job under very stressful circumstances. So I want to thank you for your service and also thank you for being here today. And I hope everyone who's listening now has a better idea of a job that does fly under the radar. Uh, and some of the issues and challenges involved in doing the work 
that Pat did for many, many years. This is Frank Fear. We'll see you next time on Under the Radar. Thank you.